for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Well, good morning. I don't know whether you know what important event is happening later this week. <laughs> it's not my birthday, the snooker may be on, but something far, far more important than that. It is Ascension Day. Wow. We're all used to Christmas. We're all used to Easter. We're all used to Pentecost, aren't we? But Ascension Day is the day that is forgotten very often in the church calendar. Calendar. Ascension Day, does it matter? Is it just for theologians and pastors or is it for everybody? Does it matter to you? And I want to say to you this morning, it matters big time. Uh, because in many ways, it's, it's like a children's jigsaw. And I use a children's jigsaw illustration for, the, for, for that purpose. You know, you've got those big pieces, you know, four, five, six pieces, those early ones that they have. And uh, it would be like if you have one of those puzzles and one of those pieces were missing. Suddenly, everything is incomplete. So without the ascension... The story of Christmas, the story of Easter, the story of Pentecost is incomplete. It doesn't hang together. So let's read a few scriptures, shall we, this morning. Actually, why don't we stand and read them? Let's read the Word of God together, rather than just me reading them. Let's, let's read these scriptures. So this is Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. Let's read together. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here, staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Perhaps we can just go to the next one, thank you. So this is from Hebrews 8, verses 1 and 2. Let's read this one together. Here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. And there he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. Amen. Please sit down. The writer to the Hebrews exhorts us to think carefully about Jesus. So, thinking about him, his life, his death, his ascension, his resurrection, his ascension, is very, very important. And this is what Andrew Murray has to say. He says, faith... Has, its, has in its foundation four great cornerstones on which the building rests. The divinity of Christ, 
the incarnation, the atonement on the cross, the ascension to the throne, and the last is the most wonderful, the crown of all the rest, the perfect revelation of what God has done or has made for us, made Christ for us. So it is the one that ties everything together. Now, when you think of the ascension, I wonder what you think. Now, artists have all sorts of ideas, and I've got a few images here of what some artists think about the ascension. So there's one there, particularly in the middle, where the artist try, is obviously struggling, struggling with how do you capture the ascension? What is actually happening to Jesus as he ascends into heaven? And so if you were to paint it, what would it look like? Uh, how did Jesus go? Uh, was, it, was it like a rocket? Was it like he was standing here and suddenly power was in the thrusters, as it were, and he, he just went up? And, he, you know, and as they stood there, they looked and 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 he, it just, he just went way out of sight. Was it like that? Um, you know, was he, did he still have that material body? Was he, was, he, was he still in a material universe? But now he's just, just gone out of our sight somewhere. He's way out there somewhere. Is he like, therefore, some, some astronaut? He's out there somewhere doing something, but we don't know quite where and what he's doing. Or did he go, for those of you who like the sci-fi films, did he go through some portal? Was there some other dimension to open up and he suddenly went through uh, an, another portal, a portal into another dimension? And if so, how? And if so, uh, did his body dissolve? What happened to his body? Did it, did it dissolve away as he went or did he stay as he was? And what does it mean for him and what does it mean for us? So when we, when we think about the ascension, we are struggling. In, me, in much the same way as people struggle with thinking about the, the incarnation. How can God, how can the creator uh, come and live in human flesh and live in, as it were, created form amongst us? How can he dwell here? The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It, so it seems fantastical. A bit like science fiction. One of those things that you, you, you can conjure up in, in stories or produce on film with, with all those special effects of CGI that you have today. I remember a number of years ago, Pam and I were in the States and we went to an amazing performance of, of the Easter story in the Crystal Cathedral. And uh, massive great glass cathedral, massive great organ and huge place and and, it, and it's, it, it was amazing. They had horses coming down the aisles. They had explosions. They had all sorts of things taking place. There were angels coming in from the, the high corners of the, the cathedral, coming in and taking their part and fulfilling their role and so on. But the amazing thing was, how do you deal with the, resurrec- with the ascension? So they had the resurrection, and, and boy, the place trembled when that part took place, you know, as the stone was rolled away and the earthquake and so on, and there was this bang and this trembling sound, and you, you got the impression of what Easter was about, but how do you deal with the ascension? And so there we came to Jesus, bidding goodbye to his, his disciples on, on this uh, center stage, and he's b- bidding goodbye, and, and suddenly, as he's bidding goodbye to them, suddenly these big doors of the cathedral that re- reach from the, the floor right up to the very top, these big doors opened up into the, the night sky, uh, with all the stars twinkling and so on. 
and, and, and suddenly there, there was this there was this, this smoke began to rise, you know, and, and filter across the stage. And, and as it began to increase, suddenly there was this beam come down, like a laser, I guess, I don't know, right on top of the person who was acting as Jesus. And it came down, and, and, and suddenly, and their timing was absolutely brilliant, because as the smoke rose, it, it kind of covered him, and then, of course, it fades away, and suddenly he was gone. I mean... Talk about a drama. I mean, we're very, 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 you know, amazing. A, a full-on, you know, it's more, you know, very, very Hollywood in its style, but very, very, very good. So people have struggled to capture the idea of the ascension. So in the same way that the mind grapples with the incarnation, God becoming flesh, it, it grapples with the idea of a man ascending into heaven and asks the question, how? Some have considered that, uh, the body to be a problem. This was the, the issue uh, with the Greeks. The body was a problem. You, you couldn't be spiritual in the body, and the only way you could be spiritual was getting out of, out of the body, and surely heaven was all spirit, and there was nothing wrong there. So somehow you had to get out of your body to enter that purer world. Uh, other ascension stories take similar routes, and there are, you'll find, if you, you look at history, uh, other ascension stories in other cultures. And, but the interesting thing is they're really weird. And, and in every case, they, they leave this body behind. The better realm is the spiritual realm, uh, and this realm is, is nothing to do with it. To others, uh, it, it's, as, it's as it were, there is nothing else other than this. This is all there is to, to know. We are born, we, we live, we die, full stop, end. I remember David Pawson's telling a story many years ago how when he was a padre in the army in, in Aden and uh, uh, one day uh, an atheist came to him and he, he said, uh, you know, when, when I die, I don't want any of that religious stuff. He said, when I die, that's it, there's nothing more. To which David Pawson said, he said to this guy, he says, Okay, that, that's fine by me, so what we'll do is we'll simply dig a hole and throw you in it and say that's the end of him. And at that particular point in time, the chap responded, oh, oh no, 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 not quite as severe as that. You see, there was something in him which, like that, when he was confronted with that finality, kind of like didn't want to admit it and didn't want to go there. And of course, you know, Jesus struggled with those who who were the Sadducees. And you know why they were sad, don't you? Because they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe there was anything beyond this. So they were, as we like to play on the word, sad, you see. Okay. So in this modern scientific world that we live in, uh, we would say the scientist has examined it. We've, We've looked at all the evidence. We've done what we can. We've examined the evidence and that there is nothing else. This, this is impossible. It cannot happen. The fact is, the world is more than this. It's more than things that we can touch, more than things that we, we experience in our day-to-day material existence, more than we can touch and dissect and analyze with microscopes, as fascinating and as good as that is. There is another dimension, a, a spiritual dimension, and it's, it's written into our very DNA, uh, an other awareness. And you've only got to read the newspapers, look at the obituaries, and see how, how people have this concept that there is something more than this life, that there must be more than this. Uh, and you see it in all sorts of realms. I, I find it fascinating 
that in a world that wants to scientifically deny the supernatural, you go and look at the films that are available. You, you go and look at the stories that are out there, full of fantastical things, full of all sorts of weird things and, and, and things that cross boundaries and all sorts of things. It's almost as if there's something written into us that says there is more than this. So even in the midst of a very scientific 21st century life, we find a grappling after, a reaching out for something more than our material existence. The idea of God taking on flesh, living in flesh, dying, rising, and and ascending in flesh seems absurd to us, but it was absurd to people of of that day as well. It seemed absurd then as now. There either wasn't another world or dimension to life, or if there was, there could be no interaction between them. They, They didn't meet. They didn't cross over. They were totally incompatible. But we need to understand that heaven and earth are not two different locations, as N.T. Wright puts it. He's, but they are, uh, they're not two different locations far apart from each other, but rather they are different dimensions of God's creation that overlap and interlock with each other. And I find that fascinating. You know that actually heaven isn't far away from us right now. The angels can be known that spiritual activity can be taking place within this very room because actually heaven isn't far away from us. I, I love what the, the poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning says. She, says. she says, earth is crammed with heaven. <laughs> and someone else said, you know, that, that something lives in every hue that Christless eyes have never seen. There is a dimension to this world if we will have our eyes open Uh, that goes beyond the material that we can see and whereby God can be encountered. Earth is crammed with heaven, she says, and every common bush afire with God, and not that only he who sees takes off his shoes, the rest sit round and pluck blackberries. (laughs) Are you one of those who's just sitting around plucking blackberries? Or are you beholding God? Again, we were out walking yesterday and, and uh, we, w- we were down near Stone in Oxney and we did this walk and as we walked up over the plain and up over the hills, suddenly there were, there were these birds singing and it was the skylarks just going up and up and up and up and up and up, singing their song for all that they were worth and then suddenly they would dive. Something lives in every hue that Christless eyes have never seen. No wonder God created a garden, didn't he? That's why we love gardens. And God God came down into that garden in the cool of the day. And he fellowshiped Adam and Eve. The connection has been ruptured, but Jesus has come to restore it. Hallelujah. Yeah, the connection was, was ruptured very, very badly. But Scripture unfolds the fact that Jesus has come to restore it. So we we think of Jesus' continuing incarnation. So there's a a tendency to think that, yeah, Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us. He was tempted in all points as we are. He went to the cross. He paid the price for our sins. He he died. he, He rose again. But when he ascended to heaven, he stopped being human. And that would be tragic, 
Because if he stopped being human, we are cut off from God. That is one of the major significances of the ascension that Jesus took our flesh with him into the glory. And the old saints used to refer to it in this way, there is a man in the glory. Yeah? Turn to the person next to you and say, there is a man in the glory. Yeah. So, Jesus, Scripture teaches that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, took on real flesh, flesh that was just like ours, pinchable, and could feel pain and could be tempted. He, he, he didn't become less than God, but he added flesh to his humanity. And in the ascension, he, he doesn't stop becoming man, but he takes our humanity with him, listen to this, into the very heart of the Godhead. That's important to know that and to remember that as we'll bring out uh, at the end. He takes our humanity with him right into the very heart of the Godhead. There is a man in the glory. We were made for God uh, to live in union with him. That humanity, that relationship had broken. The church father Athanasius said it was so broken that it was on the road to ruin and in danger of lapsing into total non-being. That was the state of humanity without God because we were made to live in God and for God. And so Jesus came to uh, renew and restore that uh, union. Uh, I love the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews brings it out in so many wonderful ways how that he had to be made like us in every way. And, and it was his pleasure to, for, he, for, for him to call us his brethren, his brothers, and his sisters. So he was made like us in every way. As Paul says, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was born. He lived. He was tempted in all points as we are. Yet he never gave in. He always said no to Satan and yes to the Father. He died. He, he rose again. Not to die again, but to ascend and present himself and our redeemed and restored humanity back to God. That's a staggering statement in itself that could do with unpacking a bit more. And so, someone has paraphrased again an old church father and they've just made it this quote. So that today, now dust sits on the throne. (laughs) What a beautiful way of just saying that, isn't it? That the dust that God created, that he fashioned into man, now sits on heaven's eternal throne. You see, we live in a world that, want to, that wants to level us all, level all of creation, and make us just like any other part of creation, make, make us just like any other animal, but we were made uniquely in the image of God. We were made to dwell in fellowship with God. We were made to enjoy that, that fellowship in, in complete harmony with Him. The hymn says, crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands and side, rich wounds, yet visible above, in beauty glorified. No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, but downward bends his burning eye at mysteries so bright. bright. These truths, this reality, confounds the angels. 
You know, what is, what is man? What is it about man that you are mindful of him? And then to see this man raised up into to glory and into very direct fellowship with God. So we, we speak of his continuing incarnation. And then we speak of his exaltation. Uh, Psalm 110, verse 1, says this, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Did you know that that is the the most quoted, the most referenced verse in the whole of the New Testament regarding the Old Testament? It was a word about Jesus. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That was a prophetic word. It was a messianic word. And it spoke of him who would come and him who would ultimately be raised to glory and sit at the right hand of God. The language of Scripture regarding the ascension is, is large. It's, it's expansive. It, it kind of reaches, the, as it were, the, the limits of language to, to try and describe the significance of this event. And so you can read, and I'm going to run through these very quickly, you can read how that Jesus ascended higher than the heavens, Ephesians 4 verse 10, to the highest place which heaven affords in Hebrews 7 verse 26. He is exalted to the right hand of the Father, Acts 2.33. He is the Holy One, the Lord Christ, Acts 2.36. He is the Prince and Saviour, Acts 5.30.31. He is crowned with, with glory and with honour. Hebrews 2 verses 8 and 9. Everything and everyone that has been created is and are under his feet and he is far above all rule and authority, principality and power and every name that can be named both in this age and the one to come. And that should get an amen. Because the power of that truth, Ephesians 1 verse 21. So he came in in humiliation. God came in humiliation and took on flesh. But now he is raised in glory. Jesus, the man who was God, in his flesh is raised in glory. God raises this humanity and sets it on the throne right next to him. A staggering truth. That's, that's, that's kind of shocking, isn't it? You read the hymn, go and look at the hymn writers. Look, you saints, the sight is glorious. See the man of sorrows now. Wow. The head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. So if Jesus had not ascended, we would assume that like Lazarus whom he raised from the dead, he must have died again. In which case, death would have had the last word, not life. If he had continued to live on earth, he would have been confined to a particular place. And we would all be going looking for him. If he had not ascended, his ministry would have been restricted to a geographical location. The age of the church and the spirit could not have begun. If Jesus had not ascended, our salvation would be incomplete. And we'd have no hope because Jesus was not enthroned. So what does it mean for us? I want to run through 
eight simple points. There's a whole lot more. Um, but just to, what does it mean for us that Jesus is ascended into heaven? Number one, it means that God is for us. Amen? God is for you and God is for me. If, if Jesus is a bodiless Christ, he, have left, he has left us and we are on our own. We are forsaken. And there is still that great divide between us. But praise God, he has carried our humanity into heaven. That means he places a high view, high value on our humanity. Amen? He places a high view, a high value on it. Because he retains our humanity, our humanity has value. You can lift up your head this morning. You can walk with dignity in the world because God made you and he values who he made you in flesh to be. It means that we needn't withdraw from the world in order to be spiritual. We can positively engage with it. We can serve him and and, and be serving others in the same way that he did. So God is for us 100% in our humanity. And we need to understand that because in in the life of the church down through the centuries, there have been those who thought if only we could get out of this humanity, we could be more spiritual. We can be spiritual within the humanity that God has given us. And we should rejoice in it. When you in the morning, you can look in the mirror and you can say, thank you God for making me me. Yeah? Thank you God for making me me. So he is for us. The fact that he is there in the glory, in the flesh, means that he is for us in our flesh. Number two, we are fully accepted and have complete access. You know, under the Old Testament system, it wasn't the case. Every year, the high priest would go into the, the, the very, holy place, very holy place of all. But they were always on edge in case he didn't come out. And if he didn't come out, that means that the offering was not acceptable. So if Jesus had not come out from offering himself and ascended into heaven, we would be on edge. We would be wondering, is it complete? Is it done? And read through the book of Hebrews. It has some fantastic words on this, which we don't have time to go into. But we are fully accepted and have complete access And listen to this, he has opened up for us the same communion that he has with the Father. Not a different communion, but the same communion. Because we are his brothers and sisters. He is our elder brother. And he has opened for us that wonderful communion that that he enjoys with the Father. What a privilege to be able to partake of the same relationship, the same communion that Jesus has with the Father and did have from all eternity. Number three, we are safe and secure. Our lives are are hidden with Christ in God. You know, one of the things that the enemy will come at is trying to undermine our our knowledge of what God has done for us in Christ. But but when we see this truth, when we we see its reality, we realize that we are safe, that we are secure. Our lives, as Paul says, are now hidden with Christ in God himself, within the, the very heart of the Trinity. Hebrews 7 verse 24 says, Because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. 
therefore is able once and forever to save those who come to him. Wow. So he's doing it today. He might be doing it here. Somebody that doesn't know Jesus. They're beginning to see these things and something's beginning to fall into place. All over the world, as Jesus is being lifted up, people will be believing in him and discovering that the salvation that he offers is not like some offer that we can get down the shop that has some some hidden print somewhere, but this is a real offer that we can trust for all eternity. Because he lives, we will live also. So we are safe, we are secure. Jesus said, I will lose none of them. That's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful truth. Because the enemy will come at us at times. Say, huh. I remember how he came to my father in the last years of his life. And, and on the basis of performance, and my, my dad said to me, I, I'm not sure whether I've done enough. I'm not sure whether I've done enough. And, and he'll come at you and he'll come at me and say, didn't you let him down today? Didn't you fail in some way? I saw that. If I saw that, I'm sure your God saw that. And what's he going to think of you? What do you do then? You run to Jesus. You look to him who is the the author and the finisher of our faith. You, You put your eyes on him. You keep your eyes on him and you say, yeah, that is true. But there is one who came and lived this life for me. And I trust in his faithfulness. And he lived the life. He died for me. He paid the price for my sin. He lives today, a man in the glory who truly represents me. Wonderful. Fourthly, we have a great high priest who still feels for us and intercedes for us. Because he has gone into heaven, retaining our flesh, he still feels for us. He still feels for our humanity. He still feels for our our weakness. So Hebrews 4 verse 15 and, and 7 verse 25. Jesus is still able to sympathize with us. Do you ever get to the point at times where you don't know how to pray for yourself? Do you? Do you ever think, God, I don't know how to pray for myself. I'm a bit of a mess today. I don't know how to pray for myself. I don't know how, how, how to pray this one through. I have found it such a reassurance to be able to just sit in his presence and know that he knows how to pray for me. And that he does so. That he upholds me before the Father. Because I know sometimes my praying feels weak. I don't feel good at expressing myself to him but I know that I can trust in his prayerfulness and how he just so lovingly holds me before the Father and intercedes for me. Feels for me, intercedes for me. Feels for you, intercedes for you. And then then because he is there, as Paul talks about in Ephesians 2, we are now seated in heavenly places in Christ. You might feel as if you've, you know, you're well and truly seated in, in a plastic chair in a hall that's very physical at this moment in time. But Scripture says if you know Jesus, this morning your location is in those heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And, and when you look at Ephesians, so you say, so, okay, where is Jesus? And Jesus is far above all principality and power and every name that can be named. I remember Trevor Deering 
a number of years ago, uh, a man, Anglican, who came to experience of the Spirit. And he said, one day, he said, I had somebody ring me up. And he said, you know, we, we, you know Carl, uh, um, Trevor Deering, yeah, Trevor. He said, I, I, I don't know what to do. He said, I, I'm living in a flat. And, and he said, these people above us, they're occultists, and, and they keep blocking our prayers. And he said, he wrote back to them, he said, nonsense. He said, you're in Christ. You're above the names that they own. You're above every name and power and authority. Recognize that. And I expect to hear shortly from some occultists saying they are having problems getting through because of the Christians below us. <laughs> you know, some, there's something in that kind of dialogue, isn't there? Because the enemy can, can get into our minds. He can get into our heads and, and suddenly he can seem bigger than God. He can seem bigger than Jesus. And, and suddenly we've fallen from the, the heavenly places and we find ourselves groveling on the floor, wondering where we're at, what's happening, and, and the, the, old, the old enemy is coming in like some thug just putting the boot in. We go back to Scripture and we see that because Jesus is the ascended man in the glory, we are seated with him in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. not that wonderful? Just pause there for a moment and just, just realize that. Just realize that in the struggles that you're facing, the people here are encountering different difficulties in life, different challenges, different struggles. And then you're up against principalities and powers. You can easily think it's a person you're involved in, your place of employment, whatever it is. But just in this moment, just... Recognize this morning, you're in him, above those things, seated, there's a place of rest there. You can be striving in that situation, the enemy is just wanting you to strive more and more. Whereas God's saying, recognize where you are. Rest into that place being seated in heavenly places. And then he has given us the gift of the Spirit. If, if Jesus had not ascended to heaven, the, the gift of the Spirit would have not been given. We would be left on our own. We would be orphans. We would be without his help and ministry in this world. But through the Spirit, we, we know his presence. So wherever you are, wherever we are, whatever is happening in our lives, we can, we can and know the presence of God. The Spirit brings and makes real to us uh, not another Jesus, but the same Jesus. So we don't have to go outside of our space and time. But right where we are, we can encounter Him and know His presence. In giving us the Spirit too, He, he gives that spirit, the Spirit to enable us to grow. So that we grow more in relationship with Him. We grow in, in Christ-likeness. We grow more like Him. And thirdly, in that heading, we, we are empowered to serve his purposes. You see, if Jesus had not ascended into heaven, he would not have received the gift of the Father. The ministry of, that, that, that he had started would have been located in a very small area of the, of the planet. But through the gift of the Spirit, he comes and he enables and he empowers us to continue that ministry that, uh, and to see the expansion of that kingdom throughout the ends of the earth. And so when you read church history, you see how the kingdom has rolled on down through time, advanced across borders and boundaries and nations and cultures. 
So Jesus said, your kingdom, taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Seventhly, we have a full and certain hope. One of the privileges that we have is sitting beside people in their dying day. I count it an honour and a privilege to have sat beside God's saints in those moments when they have been passing from this life and known how the, the enemy can come in those moments and with onslaughts and to reassure them and to bring the heart of God to them that, that they might go out in peace and they might go out in victory. That's, that's a wonderful, wonderful privilege. I remember talking about two different dimensions. I remember Pam's mum been laid out with, with cancer for a long time. And she was at home. She wanted to, to, to pass away at home. And she lay there in all of that human hopelessness. And somewhere about two o'clock in the morning, something like that, wasn't it? It's like suddenly in that moment of time, there was that crossover, that interaction, if you like, of those different realms of earth and heaven. There she was, unable to lift herself up, unable to eat, unable to drink, and she's just having her lips moistened. And in a moment, God comes. In a moment, God comes. And suddenly this woman who has no strength in her physical body, her eyes are dead to the world, as it were. She suddenly lifts herself up, a woman who has no strength. She lifts herself up, and suddenly as she does so, she, she raises her hands. And, and she's, she, her eyes are open. And there's beauty and there's glory there. As you, you look upon this sight and, and, and she's looking at something in the room that we can't see. Suddenly heaven has entered that room in a very real way. There's been a, an opening up of something and she sees. And her arms are going out, reaching out to to that person who I believe was the Lord Jesus. And in that moment, suddenly she's gone. She's gone. But I know how she went. She went even in the midst of a body racked with cancer, with hope, with a full and certain hope. There's more to life than this. Hallelujah. Oh, and brothers and sisters, that hope makes all the difference. To sit beside somebody in their dying days and know that they have that hope. Do you have that hope this morning? Do you know him whom to know is life eternal? And then lastly, he's coming again. Ha <laughs> ha. That should make us laugh. Amen. He's coming again. Yeah. The world likes to keep challenging us and saying, no, they did that at the resurrection and they've done it down through the centuries, but God has been at work by his spirit. And we have seen down through the centuries 
the mighty God at work through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, he is coming again. This is not the end of the story. We talked about it, about it a lot in our younger days when it was like the world was going to end tomorrow. Do you remember that, you older ones? It's like any moment now, you know, the clock's ticking. In a minute, boom, and we'll all be gone. And, and, uh, and of course, we were living on the fact that, no, God rules, God reigns, he's coming. Yeah, and that still holds true, Barney. Come on, let's, let's stand and worship, shall we, as we close this morning. Let's crown him with many crowns, the, the lamb upon the throne. Let's lift our worship to him as the one who, in this song, speaks of his humanity, his continuing humanity, to know that he is King and Lord of all right now, and he is also the King who is coming again. Amen.